Welcome to Everything Speaks If You Listen with Jen Cobbleworks, where we befriend our humanity and the sacred through story, soul questions, and everyday life. I'm your host, Jen Cobblewilhoit. Hello, friends. Welcome to week seven of the podcast. I'm Jen Cobblewilhoit, and this week we are going to talk about gratitude. I'm going to expand week by week on the ritual of the examine that I talked about two weeks ago and spend a week looking at each step, each stage of this rhythmic daily ritual stretch it out for you, hopefully give you lots of space to consider what each of these steps would look like or feel like were you to practice them. And um, the first step, importantly, is gratitude. And I think there's a lot to actually reframe and expand on this concept of gratitude. I want to start by sharing a poem with you. It's my partner's favorite poem. Um, I was introduced to it by them when I was in college. And it has become a very important piece of work to me over the years. It's called God's Grandeur. It's written by Gerard Manley Hopkins, who is considered to be an early Victorian poet. He was um, in... Englishman, um, became a Jesuit priest, lived in the mid to late 1800s. I cannot say that I know the library of his work deeply or particularly well. I'm no uh, poetic scholar on Gerard Manley Hopkins, but I have a heart for what I do know of him. And that is that at some point in his life, he started to believe that it was going to be necessary and important, perhaps sacred and and a kind of requirement for his life of devotion to give up one of his biggest loves, which was poetry, the reading of it, the writing of it, the um, experience of it. He felt like spirit was asking him to make this sacrifice, and he began giving it up during Lent. And over time, He read other authors in spiritual traditions. I believe Duns Scotus was one that really helped change his outlook towards what it meant to give something up and sacrifice. Um, But over time, he started to have this kind of conversion in his heart that suggested that maybe he did not have to give up the thing that was bringing him alive the thing that meant so much to him and felt made him feel so connected to himself, to other human beings, uh, to a tradition, and to the sacred. It, perhaps this was not something that he needed to lay down to improve his devotional practice and sense of sacred connection. Maybe this was something he could actually expand on. And I have a heart for this mentality because I have been somebody throughout my life who has questioned whether 
The thing that brings me alive is trustworthy. Is it okay to engage in things that really make me happy, that really make me enlivened and brightened and excited? We will spend time on the podcast <laughs> unpacking some of this as a, as a spiritual and kind of theological tradition, but it does run through elements of our Western culture, and I will speak in our Western white Protestant culture, because that is what I live in and where I feel most appropriately and able to speak to and from. But there is a river that kind of runs through Western Protestant white Christianity that questions whether pleasure, joy, expansiveness is okay, or whether it's just like a precursor to trouble and dislocation and separation from the sacred. So there's this suspicion of what enlivens and brightens and brings joy and pleasure. And I relate to that. I have had those experiences. And like Gerard Manley Hopkins, I have had a real change of heart on that thread, the river, the current on that particular river that I grew up in and around has changed its gradient and direction in me, largely because of the practice of the examine and its continual invitation to notice what does bring a person alive, what brings them a sense of closeness to themselves, to the natural world, to the world of other humans, and to the community and the neighborhood and the kingdom of humanity, and what brings them closer to God, to, to the divine, to the sacred, to spirit. So this poem, God's Grandeur, it, uh, it talks about a kind of inspirational reaching out that spirit does through the nature, natural world, that the divine is a flutter with creative force and will and invitation, a desire to bring us along into a collaborative, co-creative rhythm and space. And the poem suggests that it is ever-present and it is alive in our natural world of which we are a part. And it affirms this ongoing invitation that is constantly saying to us, do you see what you're a part of? Do you see what you are family to? Are you noticing what is beating with its own rhythm, its own heartbeat, its own breath around you? Can you be stirred by it? Will you let yourself be awakened by it and to it? And will you allow yourself to be in relationship with it? This poem also mentions how humanity sometimes does not see any of these invitations, perhaps doesn't care to, perhaps is forced by systems of work and systems of 
societal obligation and systems of government and um, economic practice to not only ignore or turn away from the natural world, but to crush it, to dominate it, to be at odds with it. And the poem goes on to affirm that this is a place of grief for us, but it's not a place we have to stay in because the resiliency of nature and spirits speaking through nature in an invitational come be with me kind of way is so universal and so omnipresent that it will be the more powerful force and not one that will over dominate the human force, but one that will welcome, embrace, maybe even woo humanity towards it. So I'm going to read this to you, and then we're going to use this as an entry to a conversation on gratitude. God's Grandeur by Gerard Manley Hopkins. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook foil. It gathers to a greatness like the ooze of oil crushed. Why do men then now not wreck his rod? Generations have trod, have trod, have trod, and all is seared with trade, bleared, smeared with toil, and wears man's smudge and shares man's smell. The soil is bare now, nor can foot feel being shod. And for all this, nature is never spent. There lives the dearest freshness deep down things. And though the last lights off the black west went, O oh morning, at the brown brink eastward springs, because the Holy Ghost over the bent world broods with warm breast and, ah, bright wings. I am starting a book called When God Was a Bird. It is a look at what is referred to as Christian animism. And I will share more about this book when I get done with it. It is a beautiful look at how nature and spirit are intertwined, even for traditions and religions that have aimed to define them as separate. And you're listening to a podcast called Everything Speaks If You Listen. So you know that I am absolutely someone who believes this foundational concept that love is in all things, reaching out. So this first step, gratitude, is about a mutual seeing. When we think of gratitude, we often think about us saying, I'm so happy or I'm giving thanks for X, Y, Z that I have in my life and perhaps I don't deserve it. So I'm so grateful that I have it. 
I don't want to diminish that. I think noticing where we have been given grace, where we have received privilege, where we have been the beneficiary of luck is important. It's important to recognize that the world is not a level and fair playing field. And there are times that society offers more to some and less to others consistently and intentionally. It's important to recognize that sometimes we're at the right place in the right time and a stroke of luck or blessing lands on us. It's important to recognize that sometimes wonderful things happen and we barely worked for them. These are all gracious, beautiful things to receive. Recognizing that they come from a place of luck or privilege or grace does not diminish the fact that they are a gift, but it reminds us also that we are not islands. We are not captains of our own ship, creating every good thing that has ever come our way. And it is also important to recognize that as we receive things, we are reminded to share them with others and to make a, an economy and a neighborhood and a shared human experience that makes it possible for all people to receive. So I think simply saying, I'm so grateful that I have a car to drive is a beautiful way to express gratitude because a vehicle or a form of transportation for someone to get to work is not uniformly held. Not everyone has the access to get to their job in a safe and easy and convenient and affordable way. And even those of us who do have that access with our own vehicle or with public transit, it's not without its cost and its burden at times too. So there is this gratitude of just saying thanks. I didn't really necessarily earn this, but it's in my life and I'm grateful and it benefits my life. That's beautiful. And it's beautiful, again, at the way that it opens the door to how we can make offering like this to others, sharing the blessing, not getting rid of it, just expanding it. But in the spiritual tradition, when we look at the examine and we look at the roots of Ignatian spirituality, when we talk about gratitude, it gets even bigger. It gets into a world of mutual seeing. It's a two-way kind of reflection. There's this reaching out that the divine, that spirit, that the universe does through everything in the kingdom, everything in creation. There's this enlivening this creativity still afoot, this deep down freshness of things, as Gerard Manley Hopkins said. There's a brewing, a grounding, a rooting in, a springing forth, 
just like the poem says, as the sun is, has gone down and is getting dark in the west, it will be no time at all before that foggy, gray-brown east gets brightened by a rising sun. There's no moment, no place where something is not being enlivened. So there's this notion that spirit is reaching out through nature, through other human beings, through us, and saying, I'm here. There is meaning and purpose and an opportunity to connect, to be in relationship. And then there's us as individuals and as a group, as a, as a human family. And we see some of these waves, some of these hands reaching out, some of these twinkles, some of these um, invitational prompts from the sacred. So, and then we respond to them. Here's an example. I went to the beach recently up in Northern California at one of my favorite places to go to, Half Moon Bay, and there was this beautiful working farm and a seal preservation on the beach and then um, kind of protected farm and meadowlands for half mile or more as you can, you could walk along this and then and have kind of cliff access to the beach, go down on one section, and then they were asking that, you know, you respect the the guidelines as well as the landscape that created kind of a sheltered section of beach for seal pups and for wild plants that were being, um, well, taking their own root and getting rewilded and, and given more space to, to flower and bloom. So I was in this place, and as plants and flowers were recovering their space and as animals were recovering their space and as humans were sharing the space as well there were more birds there than I had seen in the past and I'm not much of a birder I want to be a better birder because they're just delightful to me but I am absolutely trash at recognizing them I mean uh, they have to have very bold markings and shapes for me to name them. I can see a hummingbird, know that it's hummingbird. I can see that it has a green chest. But then when I look in the book and there's like 19 different green-chested hummingbirds, I'm not your gal to narrow down the 19. I couldn't have a clue. And when they start actually chirping and cheeping, I have no I I cannot discern one sound from another unless it's just incredibly different. So I'm an enthusiastic bird watcher and a constant amateur. But I get very delighted and excited. And I was walking down this path towards the overlook. It took me forever because I kept pausing to go, oh my gosh, that's a red-tailed hawk. Oh my gosh, that's a red-winged blackbird. Oh my gosh, that's a white-crowned sparrow. I was trying to get pictures. I was getting quiet. I was just looking at them. And embarrassingly, I was also saying hello as if we shared the exact same language. On the surface, this is nothing but science, which is in itself a beautiful language of invitation and exploration. 
This is just a place that's being rewilded and put into a balance for humans, plants, elements, and animals to all come into a kind of rootedness and balance together, right? This is just birds coming back because the land can support them again and nothing more. But spiritually, it was more to me. And this is what gratitude gets to from this mutual seeing perspective. The activity of the birds, their beauty, the fact that they were coming back, all of their different shapes and sizes, the different ways that they flew, when how some flew in groups, how some were separate, how some balanced on fence posts, how others scuttled under the, the brush. I slowly, in my wonder and delight and scientific curiosity, was reminded of my granddad and the stories that he told me and the birds we watched together. I was reminded of times in the garden with him. A feeling of peace and recollection came over me. My shoulders dropped a little bit. My breathing got a bit deeper. I remembered the people who gave me my life. And I was feeling a profound sense of community with my own ancestry and lineage. I could see and remember the challenge that was there, but also the goodness, the grace that I've been given. The eyes to appreciate nature didn't just land in me or on me genetically. I had people around me who paused to smell the roses, who stopped to see the birds. They taught me this kind of appreciation. I could feel myself open up with a delight and a hand on heart. I'm so grateful for you kind of feeling inside, in the deep down of things, of me. And I also remembered the story of Jesus and the birds and the lilies of the field. Now, I will tell you, as you know, I am rooted in a lot of Christianity. My relationship to the institutions and and buildings and religions waxes and wanes, and at times has been very severed, but the stories and the core relationships that come from Christianity are still very much a part of my life. You'll also know about me that I don't remember things verbatim, (laughs) so what I'm about to tell you regarding this story of Jesus and the birds, I hope to your own ears, if if you are someone's steeped in tradition that you will forgive my my way of retelling it here but Jesus basically said why are you worrying I mean the birds aren't worrying the lilies in the field the flowers aren't worrying they're going about their day and God knows about their day they're flying and growing and opening up and catching worms. They're doing what they have to do as a bird and a flower. But they aren't fretting. And they are known by God. They're known. 
And their, their passage into death, their suffering, their heartache, and their delight is known by God too. So when I see all these birds on this walk, I think if that story is at all true and it feels true in my heart and it feels true in my experience, then however I find myself on this day at the beach, world-weary, worn out, nervous about some things, at ease, relaxed, joyful, I am known too. And in that moment, the birds were this mutual seeing. The birds were just the birds, but then they became a connection to beloved family and beloved dead. And then they became a connection to story and sacred storying that lets me feel seen and held And we would say in the Ignatian tradition that this is spirit reaching out through the birds. And I am seeing this and responding with an expansion of my heart and a relaxing into my own human experience and a deepening trust in humanity and the divine. In the examine, gratitude is a response that we offer unbidden almost. It just springs forth like the shining from shook foil in the poem. It just bursts out of us. When we notice something about the world within us or around us, and here's the, here's the thing that makes this step of gratitude and this mutual seeing so, so incredibly brilliant to me. I was with people I love on this day. Some of them appreciated and were excited at the birds in a very similar way as me. They were hearing and seeing the birds and feeling their own heart expand and their own soul grow in relationship and their own sense of trust deepen. And other people I was with, beautiful, lovely, wonderful people, saw the birds and were like, yeah, I mean, they're birds. They weren't rejecting spirit. It's just that spirit's invitations through the universe are infinite and constant We are not going to respond as individuals to every single one of them because we are unique, distinct people. We're particular kind of lenses and particular rays of light emanating from the sacred. We're a particular part of the rainbow, so to speak. If we think of spirit as a light or the sun, we are a ray of it being expressed through a particular prism of our experience and our lineage and our personality and our body. Our humanity is like this lens and our being is a, 
is is sacred. It's a part of the spirit. And we get it gets expressed in a particular way through each of us. So when spirit is reaching out in all these infinite ways around us, we're each going to see different invitations, different hands being reached out in love and embrace from from spirit. What enlivens me will not enliven you necessarily, or it might. But it's an abundant, ongoing invitation that is diverse. There were conversations that started at the beach around mathematical modeling and tessellation. So this... this um, this like branch of mathematics that has to do with patterns and repeating patterns. And I'm wildly curious about this. And I was the absolutely least well-versed of the people I was with in this. And I was excited about it. But their ability to go into deep conversation around tessellation and mathematical principles of ratios was a glory to behold. Because when we were there and they were looking at certain flowers, they were talking about kind of the sacred ge- geometry and harmonic sequencing that, happen- sequencing that happens in nature that we can see in mathematics and that we render and reflect in mathematics. And they were getting more and more excited. And so here they were looking at a flower and they were being brought alive into mathematics and they were joining in shared conversation that was becoming joyous and curious and connective tissue between them and I was watching it and listening to it and brought alive by the relationships that I was seeing get deepened and and forged with new layers of joy and trust as everybody was discussing what all these different equations and algorithms could mean. And that was a sacred moment. Spirit was present in flowers. It awoken, it awakened like a love of mathematics. And at the end, there was a deeper connection among the people on this walk, on this day, because of that. And they recognized it. And their response to the flower and to each other and to the moment was, that was so cool. I didn't know anybody else was reading about this or thought this was interesting. I thought, you know, Only like a handful of mathematicians thought this stuff was neat. This was so cool. Could you send me this article? They were expressing gratitude. Gratitude for the subject. Gratitude for the context in which the subject got got like hinted at and then expanded on. They were expressing gratitude for the shared connection, for being seen with one another, for letting themselves say, hey, I find this really cool about life. And another person said, I find it cool too. 
And I was over there saying, I find it wildly cool and I can't participate in the conversation in the same way that you can, but I love just seeing you come alive. That was a moment of gratitude. It was a moment of mutual seeing. Like multidimensional seeing. The sacred, nature, humanity, people, stories, internal desires and interests, all of them clicking and firing off all at one, a kind of not exactly domino effect, but almost like a domino effect if it wasn't just a train of dominoes, but like a a whole gargantuan room set up of dominoes going off in a mandala of, of just infinite directions. Boom, 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 boom. All of these things touching each other, flitting on each other. Like the dragonflies that were flying around, like the bees. The spe- it, it, it really made me think spirit is here, flying amongst us, sending out invitations for relationship, for connection, providing bridges for us to cross so that we can see each other, holding up mirrors so that we can see ourselves. And expanding the horizon of the universe that we live in so that we can see we're a part of this. Gratitude in the examine in this way is about that. It is also, it's the beginning of when we start to tell the truth about ourselves. It's where we start to tell our true story to ourselves and to God in this daily ritual. It's a place where we name in a day the very small, the very ordinary, or the extremely extraordinary moments that made us just brighten, that made us say, I'm so happy this happened. My life is enriched because of this. We say, this matters to me. It matters to me so much that when this person said this thing or when this event happened or when I came across ABC, XYZ, I had to stop in my tracks, at least mentally, and notice it. It arrested my movement. It paused my humanity. It interrupted in the most glorious, beautiful, unexpected way. And I had to respond with a wow. (laughs) Or, holy smokes, that's freaking cool. This is gratitude. It is our response to being enlivened. And I truly believe spirit wants us to enjoy the pleasure of that, the joy of that, the community giving and the community building of that, and the uniqueness of it too. What I will say at the end of the day or the middle of the day when I practice my examine, what I name as something that I cherish is unique to me. It is unique to you when you name what you are grateful for and give thanks for. Because we are each 
unique prisms, sharing and shining sacred light, each one of us. So what lands as invitation to us is different. And we get to start this daily ritual practice of reflection and inner listening and sacred connection and inner ground building. We get to start this practice by saying, this is what mattered to me. This is what still matters to me. This is what I hold close to my heart. As the day is ending and the sun is setting, this is what I am taking with me into the night and into the next day. This is what will nourish me. This is what helps give my life meaning. When we say, I am grateful that, or I am grateful for, we are feeding ourselves and allowing ourselves to be fed by the sacred universe. We are receiving God's grandeur. We are receiving and embodying. We are partaking like a kind of communion feast, like a kind of party (laughs) of joy and delight and wonder. We are saying, this is so precious to me that I want to carry it in my being. I want it to flood my cells, live in my memory banks, expand my heart, deepen my trust, expand my breathing, soften my judgment, open my eyes, bring a smile and a warmth and a grace to me. Of course, this is incredibly powerful. I know you see it. I know you feel it. When we're nourished and we receive in this way, when we let ourselves receive this savoring taste, this sucker from the universe, when we let it be a portion of God's grandeur that is precious to us, Just like Gerard Manley Hopkins, poetry, precious to him. It doesn't float everybody's boat. But he wasn't, he decided, the full man and the full human that he needed and wanted to be for himself, for the world, and for spirit. When he had severed a connection to poetry, to that thing that brought him alive, that gave him meaning and purpose, even if it didn't give others meaning and purpose. When we allow ourselves to receive what uniquely brings us alive, we are alive. And this world does have us trotting. It has our boots on the ground, our head and our gaze to the cement under our feet, It has us worried, worn, at times even broken. It has us afraid a lot of times. This world is still becoming and creating into a place of safety and wholeness and wellness just as we are growing and becoming more of who we are and are meant to be. We experience risk and pain and loss in this world. 
Our human experience is not perfect joy and delight at every moment. So when we encounter things that make us smile, make us gasp, make us hold our heart gently and say, oh, I wish that didn't have to end. This is so important to me. We are telling the truth of ourselves. We're saying this is something about me. This is how I am. This is where I find joy. That lets us get to know ourselves better. And it builds trust with the sacred because we're saying to the sacred of all of the ways that you invite me into relationship, of all of the ways you show up, these are the ways I recognize this is where and how I see you. That helps us have a kind of inner ground for those moments and days and seasons where we feel like we are that earth that is trod upon and trod upon and trod upon. We have a sense of meaning and purpose, a sense of what matters that's worth believing in internally with us when we practice gratitude. And we have a sense that we are seen. A sense that just as God knows the the sparrow or the lily and knows when they pass from this earth and knows when they're hungry for food and knows when they're wilting under the heat of the sun and cares that we are known and cared for also. And in this sense of kingdom, we can turn within to moments of gratitude and be fed by them again to raise our hopes, to build our courage, to deepen our trust, to grow our resiliency. We can turn to others and know spirit is speaking through them or can. We can turn to our world, our natural world, and even our ordinary day-to-day world and say, if I need to be fed and nourished right now, I can trust that I am being reached out to in every moment in different ways. Can I just let myself be awake to the visitors that are wanting to come into my life, that are knocking at the door? Be them with wings in the air or in the shape of a friend or a song? And can my response when I notice that I'm enlivened or softened by it, can I just be free with the gratitude that erupts from me? That's what this step is about. Mutual, collaborative, seeing. Letting ourselves know and be known. Letting ourselves see and be seen. Going back to the poem when he says, it shines out like shining from shook foil. I'm pretty confident in the mid-1800s there wasn't like, you know, Reynolds rap. <laughs> pretty pretty sure <laughs> Gerard Mealy Hopkins wasn't like taking a sheet of tinfoil and wrapping, and up, wrapping up his leftover ramen. He's going to save it for later. But that is an image that comes to my mind, and maybe it comes to your mind too. And that's one of the gifts of poetry, just like a good question. 
its form is something we can depend on, but its meaning can expand and change and transmute and transform over time. So we can hear this poem and remember that even the crinkle and crackle of ripping off a piece of tinfoil could be an, an entryway, a doorway, a window open for spirit to greet you through. When I think of just tinfoil and that line, I think of all the times I've been graced with dinners with family and dear friends who are essentially family and how we, when we get ready to say goodbye to each other, pack up leftovers for each other to take home and to put in our own fridge. I think about my grandmother and my spouse rinsing tinfoil and letting it dry in unceremonious ways over the kitchen faucet so that it can be used a couple more times. I think about crafts I did as a kid with really old tinfoil, smoothing it out with the side of my nail until my nail became gray and darkened, trying to make it shiny like a little mirror for my Barbie doll. Just tinfoil connects me to a world that is bigger than me, that I had almost forgotten, was there for me, caring for me, nourishing me, loving me. Spirit showing up, coming through the window that is tinfoil, and saying, I see you. Thank you for letting me see you. Thank you for letting yourself be seen. And that's maybe the last thing for right now that I want to say about gratitude. And perhaps this is a provocative thing that will challenge or in a, maybe this will be weird for you to hear. Or maybe it won't. Maybe I'm not saying anything weird at all. Um, Maybe this will be something that you completely vibe with, as they say. But in my experience of doing the examine for about 12 or more years now, I'm always, I feel a kind of emotional tenderness saying this. Keep telling myself, you're not supposed to cry on podcasts. You're supposed to be professional. I don't know what that means. Anyway, in my experience of doing the examine for years and years and years, in my experience of becoming befriending the sacred and befriending my own embodied life, my own humanity. I feel a presence from God, from the divine, from source, that comes alongside, particularly when things, life feels very hard, and offers a gratitude to me and to all of humanity for caring, for being alive and being present and for trying, for striving, for engaging in their life and in this greater life, this shared life. It feels like a presence that comes alongside and says, I know how hard being human is sometimes. I know how hard the world can feel sometimes 
I know you're worn. I know you're scared. I know the uncertainty, while it is full of possibility, is also terrifying. And I'm with you. And I am grateful that you are present and you're here because you being here, you still caring, you still showing up, you still trying to be you, you still finding meaning and purpose, you still being able and willing to say wow at things. This is, this is you. My beloved child, alive in the world, loving the world, trying to save and support and serve the world. And I, I appreciate that because you are an extension of me in the world. And you are uniquely you in the world. And I love you. I love your unique self that could never be repeated. It makes me so happy to see you live into the uniqueness and preciousness that only you are that each, each person has a uniqueness and preciousness. I'm so happy to see you living into yours, and I know it is no easy thing. That's the feeling that I get from the sacred, this deep down of things, this deep mercy, this deep love, this deep gratitude, this deep mutual seeing. It is um, humbling to receive gratitude from the sacred. It's humbling to be seen by the sacred and to let yourself be known by a thing so mysterious and unknown and vast and also so intimate and personal and unique and specific That's the kind of relationship that I feel called into through the exam, and it's the kind of relationship I feel called into when I'm reminded of so many beautiful communion, communal memories when I pull out a piece of tinfoil. It's the kind of relationship I'm pulled into when I look at birds. It's the kind of relationship I'm pulled into when I go about my day and there's just some tiny little rap on the door of my soul and my exterior life saying, hey, something beautiful and sacred is alive, is alive and at work here. Do you see me? Do you see me here reaching out for you? And when I turn and say, oh, that's so amazing what I'm doing is saying, I see you, sacred. 
I see your willingness to reach me specifically, to reach all of us in our own unique ways. And then that shared seeing becomes a kind of harvest that lives within, builds inner ground, deepens trust, builds faith, especially for when things feel skint. Did I just make gratitude a bummer? Did I just get so like lost in my own thinking about stuff that I kind of made gratitude sad? Oh my gosh, I hope I didn't do that. I've been known to do that though, guys. I, I do. I get like lost in what feels profound or meaningful to me and I feel really touched by it and then there's just this like heaviness. I'm just going to let that be if that's there. I think that's okay for the wonder and beauty of things to be kind of heavy and overwhelming. That's a reasonable thing. But just before we say goodbye, let's just bring in the joy, the vibrancy, the delight, the feasting, the hoorah, the yes, thank you, the amen, the you bet, the holy schnikes of gratitude. Let's bring all that in too. This world is alive and vibrant. It's amazing. And also it is falling apart and on fire. How will we be able to put one foot in front of the other and support ourselves and support our sisters and brothers? How will we be able to reach this dawn that is very much on the horizon if we aren't fueled by what brings us alive if we aren't receiving the abundant love that is being just exploded out in the universe like a t-shirt cannon at a basketball game I just want to give you that sense that the invitation is constant and infinite and diverse and that every single time you notice yourself saying wow thank you. Oh my goodness, that matters to me. You are building inner ground and trust. You are telling the truth about who you are to yourself and to the sacred. You're growing in relationship to yourself and to the and to the divine. You are letting yourself do the vulnerable thing of being seen and also seeing. And that is absolutely magnificent. If the examine started and stopped with just gratitude, it would be enough. Do you see how it connects into so many other things? So many other things. Okay, that's gratitude. That's uh, looking at the examine again. That's, I hope, something that feels good to listen to and not like a Wow, thanks for, you know, really being a downer about something that seemed so great. My hope and prayer for you this week always is that you are well and well tended to and tending to yourself and to others from your place of sacred center, your wellspring of love, your uniqueness. 
I hope that the way that you shine your own light, the, the way you shine your sacred light in the world is not tried to be extinguished or put out or diminished by anyone. I hope you feel safe being who you are and expressing who you are. And I hope that as you go through the week, you see the universe, spirit, divine, reaching out in myriad ways and you recognize some of those ways and you let them come into your being. Let yourself savor them, cherish them like a feast, a sacred feast, and you let that build inner trust and inner knowing. I hope it lets you see that you are loved and held and treasured as a part of this family of things that we are all a part of. All right, friends, until next week, my love and hope to you. Take good care. Thanks again for joining me on today's podcast of Everything Speaks If You Listen. I really appreciate your time, your energy, your engagement. And if you liked or loved this podcast, it would mean a lot if you could rate it for me. Give it the old five-star review or the thumbs up or whatever your application asks you to do to say, I like it. And then if you could share it with a friend or family member that you think might vibe with it also, that would be great. I deeply appreciate the care towards the admin part of this kind of stuff in relationship, as well as you just tuning in. If you'd like to know more about me and my work, there are links in the show notes. You can visit me at jencobbleworks.com. Hang out and talk to me on Instagram at Cobbleworks, or sign up for my newsletter where there are some stories and free comics and art and self-reflection worksheets given every month and lots of fun, deep email exchanges between me and you if you enjoy that. Thanks, friends. Take care.